We all want to believe in something, but how far will we go to find meaning? From the executive producer of Friday Night Lights, Hulu's new original drama series, The Path, takes audiences inside the mysterious world of a controversial cult-like movement. Starring Aaron Paul, Michelle Monaghan, and Hugh Dancy, and hailed by the Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter as impressive and riveting, The Path takes an in-depth look at the gravitational pull of belief and what it means to choose between the life we live and the life we want. The Path, now streaming new episodes on Wednesdays, only on Hulu. Hello, and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And uh, this week, uh, we want to talk to you about comedies that are funny, but also are serious. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty novel concept, I feel, that you can, you can do both. That you can have a little bit of, of something funny and, and something kind of serious. Yeah, and it's something that's happening a lot more as, you know, in this great, great big wonderful world of what some people call peak TV, what Hugh Laurie says is too much television, and what we just call a daily slog through <laughs> endless, endless series. Yes, we're very, we're very excited and glad that they're, they're finding new ways to develop television in our, for our daily slog through it. Yes. Uh, so, best so, way to put it. I mean, there's so much of it. There's a lot, as Hugh admits. As Hugh admits. Uh, so, um, yes, with that said, uh, specifically the show in question is uh, Catastrophe, which launched, as, as you listen to this, last Friday on Amazon, on Amazon Prime. And this is one that Ben and I both really like. Ben, I wrote the review, I think, last year. Ben, you yeah. wrote it this year. I did. Uh, how do you feel the show has changed from season one to season two? Uh, I think it's all has to do with that very specific. Mm, I don't want to. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna preface this by saying, if you haven't watched this yet, uh, I guess this might be a spoiler. I well, put this at the beginning of my review. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, if you're that into it and you're gonna care about this kind of thing, you probably would have seen it by now. Well, actually, hold uh, on. Hold on. Before you before you do that, maybe we should explain what catastrophe is. Um. Catastrophe is this, uh, it's a show technically produced in the UK, but uh, Amazon picked up the US rights. And it is a relationship comedy, essentially, between uh, about uh, two, two, guy, two people, a uh, guy named Rob, lady named Sharon, who have a one night stand, get pregnant, and decide to make it work, which is a premise that feels, well, should feel pretty familiar to anyone who's ever, I don't know, seen a Joe Dapatow movie, but uh, does. For some reason, the execution of it is something really special and unique. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of what you were you were hinting at with the question before. It's kind of nailing down exactly you know what makes this show so special because you know as you just described it, if you if that's as far as you go with it and you don't actually watch it or you just read a description of it online, you know, or, or you know you read the even the the press notes or something for it. It does sound like something that would be fairly generic, but it is absolutely the opposite of that. It's a very special, um, unique show. And I, to me, I think what makes it that is the honesty in which they really depict this relationship. Um, and what makes season two kind of a, a, a significant step forward and not just, you know, elongating what had, what had already been established, but a, a whole new season and a whole new arc is the time jump that they implement in that first episode and they kind of trick you into it you think that things are kind of proceeding on as they ended in the first season and then you realize oh wait 
they're actually on their second pregnancy now. They've already That's had the spoiler that Ben wanted to, that Ben was avoiding. Right. Oh, sorry. Uh, but they've, so they've already had the the first kid, and and all of a sudden they're on the second kid, and you kind of have to make a quick adjustment in your head to realize that they've moved forward in their relationship, and that very much speaks to the idea of of what you mentioned uh, in passing when you're when you're describing it that this show is not really about parenthood. This is about a relationship and how a relationship can survive um, and thrive with kids when they're like forced into the mix. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, the way that they talk about that, the way that they address children as both an issue and a blessing, like how they find that balance is what really makes this a special show. Yeah. Uh, the thing about catastrophe that I think the thing about the fact that we call it a comedy and it, not just because of the length, even though, you know, per, per Emmy rules, anything that's half an hour is a comedy. That's just the way it works now. Uh, that is, of course, a joke, uh, but <laughs> it's not a very good joke. Uh, but it's for Emmy's fans. It is for Emmy's fans. Opposite of fans. But. Yes. Oh man, but the the fact is, like, it is everything is couched so well on humor, and that's I think a really key aspect of why I think it might be a key aspect of why you really like comedies almost to almost more than dramas as a rule. Well, this is a this is definitely a show that I would put up as a primary example of why there should be no such bias. Especially, I mean, it's not really a factor when it comes to the Emmys because you know you're divided up into comedies and dramas. Um, but you know, getting into the nitty gritty there obviously is still a little bit of a bias because some comedies are more dramatic than others, and a lot of times those get precedent over the ones that are strictly funny. But to me, what what this show really exemplifies is how something that is you know, wholly a comedy. Like this is the the way that it's edited, the way that it's written, the way that it's constructed. The purpose of it is to be funny. Like every closing of the episode when the music kicks in is usually a joke. It's a point being made just through that, let alone the the kind of beautiful way they weave in their very <laughs> their, their very clever humor. And these are very funny people. So it just kind of fits. It fits into the show because that's how you kind of identify, you know, these characters. But um, but no, like it's it's a show that is a comedy, but there is no way you could say that it doesn't deal with things that are as important and it doesn't deal with them in any less honest of a fashion than any of the you know high profile dramas out there. And I again, that that to me is so crucial to uh, keeping up with the show, because, I mean, you know, a lot of people complain, you know, especially with me talking about the leftovers, it's like, oh, it's too sad. And a lot of people have struggled with dramas like that. If it's too sad or if it's too real, it frightens you and, and you kind of run away from it. And I think what Catastrophe has managed to do is make it really welcoming. Like you kind of will get nervous. You might see some stuff that you don't like about yourself in the show or about your relationships and it might get a little scary, but I mean, it's so funny and it's it's so focused on kind of moving forward with that idea and moving forward with life in general that I mean you just don't want it to end. I mean it it reminds me of like it, it, it's and it's interesting that it's it's all really couched in the comedy like it's because I, I'm thinking about like shows like How I Met Your Mother where you know that was a show that had some incredible gags to it and was incredibly funny at its peak, uh, but. It, but was also notable for shifting into a drama into a drama mode from time to time. And the thing about that 
was that it was always like it was always a very clear like shift like they were making that choice very deliberately and you could sense that in the in the production whereas catastrophe never really changes tone it always remains very consistently itself but it still manages to have both elements to it yeah and i was um just you know a few hours ago i was speaking with michaela watkins who's the star of casual and she was talking about kind of how that TV show to her feels like how the independent film movement has come over to television. It's such a good representation of it. And that's something that you very specifically talked about in your review of Casual. And I think that that's kind of the key to striking that balance that you're talking about. It's it's about the reality of it. Like a lot of the great independent films, they bucked those kind of demands of genre that are that are you know, requisite on broadcast television, especially where you have to know exactly what something means when it's happening like this is the funny part and this is the sad part and then it's going to be funny again at the end this doesn't exist in that world it tries to be more realistic and that's what makes it really really work because mm -hmm. that is that is in some sense reality these moments where you know you're halfway between laughter and tears and you know you just sometimes you just don't know how you feel about something like when it happens to you sometimes you need that and so I think and letting and television has found a way for that those moments to play in the way that we experience them in real life. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a beautiful medium because obviously this is still a, a TV show. This is still meant to be entertaining or informative or both, um, you know, to, to a very specific degree for this you know, block of time. It's not, you know, extraneous. It's not like a Malick film where you're just kind of sitting in wonderment and wondering about your emotions and discovering things. It's it's very specific about what it's doing. Um, but it's, I mean, at the same time, like you're saying, it doesn't force itself to fit into some sort of genre restriction. Um, it, it really does try to create the reality of these two people. This is how their life would work out, you know, if they were real. Um, and then you, that makes it very identifiable for people to you know, pick and choose the parts that really resonate with them. And then the rest of it, you know, because it's so funny, because it's so informative, because they're so authentic and grounded in what they're doing, you know, it, that just goes over doubly well. Let me ask you about something, because this is something, I, it's, it's, it's an issue I've been thinking about after, like, for, for, for a little while now. And I don't know, and it was kind of triggered by a Facebook friend's comment that he doesn't like it when he's watching a show or a movie and somebody tells a joke and other people around him around him uh, react and laugh at it. Like he doesn't want, he doesn't think, he, he, for some reason that, that bugs him. And it was always something I, it's always something I actually kind of like is that moment where you see people laughing at, you, you see, you know, if, speaking of realism, like you see people laughing at each other's jokes in the real world, why wouldn't you see them laugh at each other's jokes on television? Uh, that being said, catastrophe does fall into the mode of shows where I you don't people are very funny, but they're not necessarily laughing at each other. Unless I, you, you've seen you've seen I've seen only the first half of the season. You've seen more than me. What do you think? Uh, well, I'd, I'd agree that it's it's definitely leaning more toward that direction than than the other way. Like, there's definitely scenes where especially Rob Delaney, his character, Rob, um, he's, he's a joke teller. Like he's somebody who will be pretty funny. And, uh, Sharon Morgan, playing Sharon, um, will laugh at it. But I think the, the key to something like that is 
that fine line of are you are you are they laughing at it in the show because they need us to know to laugh at it in real life are they trying to make the point of okay this was funny maybe it's even funnier than you think it is you should be laughing along with us and and maybe that goes on too long maybe that's just you know it feels too forced or it's not authentic um, but I think what they do in catastrophe, which, which probably speaks more toward the pace than anything else is they're always kind of pushing forward pretty quickly. So that laughter, if it does pop up is pretty limited, it's pretty authentic. And that's what makes it go over well for me. Like I, I agree with you. I like seeing that sort of thing. If, if a joke is funny and somebody's not laughing at it, it never really makes sense to me. That doesn't mean they should be laughing every time we're laughing because that's not how, you know, comedy works, especially comedy when you're when you're watching it on a screen and completely separated from the, the real world. Um, but no, like they, they, they definitely, you know, if, if, a, if, a, if I told a joke to you right now and we were filming it, I would, I would hope you'd laugh at it. And if for some reason you didn't, then that would scream inauthentic to me if it was actually funny, which it probably wouldn't be. I mean, I'm not a good joke teller. So. Oh, you're fine. Um, you're not you're maybe maybe you don't have great one-liners but you certainly know how to make how to tell a joke how to make tell (laughs) how to create an incredibly mean and evil practical joke for example oh well you know pranks that's a little bit different but yeah everybody laughs at pranks everyone everyone loves pranks april fool's day so popular so popular the most popular uh yeah uh as for example of like when when you take the no laughing at each other's jokes to the extreme, uh, this is something. This is the only negative thing I have to say about Master of None. Uh, the only critique I have of it is that there were there would be scenes where two extraordinarily funny people would be walking down the street telling each other extraordinarily funny jokes with just the most deadpan expressions on their faces. And I think the thing with deadpan is that it works to a degree but you kind of have to have something that bounces off yeah i i definitely agree with that as well i think one of the things that's interesting too especially citing master of none as an example i feel like comedians have a very different reaction to jokes than anybody else like they may not be the ones who are laughing out loud as much as as you know your traditional so-and-so um, because maybe they're thinking about the construction or maybe they're able to appreciate it without going to that next level. And it might take something really, really special to make them laugh. That being said, I, I kind of agree with you. There's some scenes in that show where it feels like they need a little bit of, of laughter to, to make it feel as authentic as it, as it's supposed to be. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting concept. And I mean, to me, I guess the bigger question that I had for you with a show like Catastrophe is whether or not it could work without the jokes. Like whether or not if this was a series that was strictly about a couple who, you know, accidental pregnancy, they're trying to make it work, they fight a lot, um, <laughs> there, there's not a lot of, of, you know, stuff to do with the kids even to kind of make it more family friendly. It's very much an adult show. Um, do you think that that show would work? Like do you think something like that could go down as easily or be as appreciated as much or even do you, would you want to watch it as much as you want to watch this I mean it's a, it's a really it's a really important question uh, just to to clarify our hypothetical everything else is exactly the same about you the show the, it, they just don't it's just not it's just not tonally a comedy right i i mean the answer is 
you this it would work you see you know but it would the answer is it would work like it, it, but it wouldn't be watchable i think is the problem um like because because i think i see like i because I, I think you see that sort of show all the time like right now i am uh working i am watching a uh, girlfriend experience and girlfriend experience is a really interesting show like i I am still kind of working out what I think of it, and I'll have full thoughts once I actually finish the season. But tonally, it is really like straight, strict down the middle, very blunt, very blunt, and very, uh, very uncompromising in what it shows, while also being very kind of distanced. It's it's a very interesting show to talk about, uh, and actually, it, but uh, it's not like. I don't crave starting up a new episode necessarily because it's not as engage. It's it's deliberately not as engaging. Like, and it's trying to do something very different. Whereas I think catastrophe, the humor I think w lends a warmth to it that keeps it really compelling. Yeah, I I I definitely agree with that. Uh, with that latter part, I mean, it's. The, the reason that the question to me sprang to mind was because in describing the show, I feel like the issues that they do bring up, you know, especially with how a relationship can work and how a couple can speak to each other. And, you know, there are very real reactions to that. And, and even when they get, you know, to kind of extreme, you know, scary scenarios, um, I feel like that's all like so important. Like it's, it's very uh, significant material for people to absorb on a, on a, on a wide level, like on a, on a, in a, in a big range, because, you know, it, it's something that really matters to all of us. We're all going to have, you know, some sort of relationship in this way. We all need to know how to communicate with each other. We all need to know kind of, you know, what's okay, what's not okay, what, what you're going to try to feel out with your partner and what you shouldn't feel out with you. like all of these issues that they bring up are very important. But if I imagine the show without the humor it's like, oh man, I think I'd just be, I think I'd just be torn apart. I think I'd just be too, like, depressed to want to keep going with it. And I mean, obviously, if there was no humor in it at all, I don't know if they could even really. I can't imagine these characters as as specifically as they are now because you know they have a lot of humor. They are very funny, and you know how would they survive even as a couple if they weren't joking with each other? If they couldn't have that, you know, back and forth. But, uh, you know, and it just seemed it just seemed very difficult for me. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the leftovers. It'd be like if the leftovers didn't have those big existential questions and all it was was examining, you know, Kevin, Kevin's marriage and it's and how it was falling apart. It's like, oh, man, I don't know if I'd want to watch that. Well, you know what? What I, what strikes me about what you just said is here's the other thing that happens when you take away the comedy. You take away one of the chief one of the things that I think binds these characters together the most. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it I was working on a project ages ago and I cut a lot of jokes, uh, cut a lot of banter, cut a lot of jokes from, uh, from something that the two characters were discussing. And, uh, it, this was done because of notes I got from somebody else that were, it turned out to be really ill-advised. And uh, the, somebody who had read my original draft, uh, and then saw the the final version mentioned to me, whoa, where did all those jokes go? And I was like, ah, oh, to, to, to debate with the director, that sort of thing. And she's like, but that was 
that was how you understood their relationship. Like you understood that they had these connections together. They understood each other's references. And like, it's actually like there's a scene in season two where Rob, like one of the things he's confronting somebody who's been un unkind to Sharon. And one of the things he specifically cites is she is so funny. Like that is, it's a, yeah. and, and it, it leads me, because like the other thing I keep thinking about with catastrophe is, you know, it is a show about two people who really do go after each other from time to time. Like their their relationship is not smooth sailing, but you know, it, it's. It, it, I think you definitely classify it as a love story, correct? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. But is 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 their love something that feels fated, or is it something where they feel like it feels more like they they've made this happen? Like this is not this is not like. You know, because in theory, like the, the the luck of finding someone that you're at least vaguely well suited to from a one night stand, like that feels like a fate luck situation. But I don't know if that matches with what the show actually depicts. No, I think you're I think you're hitting the nail on the head because it's right in between those things. It's definitely it's not trying to be the show where it's like, yeah, you got I'm pregnant, you gotta get together and look, it's gonna be fine. Like you guys are just you know, it's meant to be, but it's also not making the case where it's like they got together simply for the kid. They're making it work. They don't have like any real depth or substance to the feelings between them. Like they are, they very much do love each other. It's just that they've been kind of put on an accelerated path to that. So watching their relationship unfold and seeing kind of what does, you know, bind them and what does separate them is, is very interesting. And, you know, you spoke to it. The humor is, is key. Like when they have their fights, it's almost always uh, reconciled in some way by a joke or by, you know, one of them making the other laugh or finding, you know, just the right way to say something that, that both of them have that level of communication. They're on the same wavelength. Um, and, and again, so that, that, that's kind of why it's not entirely fair. Like, I, I didn't mean to judge the show in any way by saying, you know, could this work if it was different? Because it's not. It can't be different. This is exactly how it should be. They're making it perfectly. I, I'm in love with the show. Um, but it is interesting to me because there are a lot of dramas out there. I, uh, most of the ones I think of are more film-based, where they do try to take a relationship and they just take it very, very seriously. And it gets very, very dark. And that it's just not something that's easy to watch. Like I, I always think back to Revolutionary Road, which I think is an actual – it's actually a pretty great film. I was very impressed with it, but I can't go back to it. I've had the opportunity a few times. I just – I can't. It's it's too dark. I can't engage with that again. Yeah, nothing I've ever – and meanwhile, I didn't even see it because nothing I heard about that movie made me think it was something I would enjoy watching. Michael Shannon, Liz, wasn't like, okay, maybe I should see this movie. For some reason, Michael Shannon has never incurred, never been a, a draw for me when it comes to selecting a movie. I don't know why. I, I know I would really like Take Shelter. I just haven't gotten to it. I'm actually really surprised by that. He just seems like the, the kind of guy that I would picture you being into, like liking, like as an actor. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. I just, you know, I think I... I, I, I I have the same reluctance, or I never got into Boardwalk Empire. I don't know. Well, fair. He's never been associated with projects that I got really excited about. Man, you should go see The Night Before. Yeah. What, what's that? <laughs> what is that? That's the, that's the Seth Rogen, Joe Scored, Levitt, Anthony Mackie Christmas comedy. What oh, yeah. I've been meaning to see that. Because it got such rave reviews. <laughs> yep. It's, it's fine. But 
Anyway, yeah. we got a little bit off topic, but we yeah, that's that's topic. kind of the that's kind of the the comparison point that I think of in my head. It's like okay, so catastrophe is like the human uh, honest inclusion inclusion of the fights. Like it, it doesn't ignore the fights; they're very real. They happen, um, but it's got the humor, and I love it. I've completely you know devoted to to going back to it. You know, whenever the next season comes out. And then there's Revolutionary Road where it's like, man, I thought that was really good. It was very well acted. It was beautiful. I can't watch it again. Like there's nothing that that really makes me want to go back to that place. Sometimes you see something once, you're like, I get it. I'm good. Yeah. 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 That's true too. I mean, but yeah, so you should definitely check check out Catastrophe. And Ben, but Ben, beyond that, what was the best thing you watched last week? Oh man. The best thing that I watched last week. Uh, there's so many choices. I watched, I mean, I watched a lot of stuff. I watched, obviously, a lot of Catastrophe. I watched a little bit of Dice on Showtime. Um, I've watched Fear of the Walking Dead now, which is interesting. I don't know if I would really recommend any of those. I just, I think I do want to take the time, though, to talk about Dice for just a minute, because it's not, I mean, it's not a path that I was specifically put on by you liz you didn't force me into it i never forced you to do anything there was definitely a decision though that was made in that one of us was going to interview andrew dice clay and one of us wasn't well it wasn't even that we had to interview andrew dice clay i simply said to you i triple dog dare you to interview andrew dice clay (laughs) not even thinking he'd be a terrible interview just you know i was in a mood it was tcas it was crazy times so anyways you not being able to sit, stand back from a triple dog dare. When no, I, I am not yellow. I will not back down from such challenges. Um, but frankly, like it was one of those things where I did sit down with him. We had a really good talk. He seemed like a very honest, straightforward guy. And I was like, okay, I actually thought that went pretty well. Now I'm a little bit interested. So I just kind of kept that going in my head. And when the show came out, um, and I finally got to watch the screeners. It, it premiered last night when you're listening to this on Sunday. It's available via Showtime, uh, Anytime app, the VOD stuff. Like they released the whole season of it, which is only six episodes, but still a substantial move for Showtime. But the point that I just wanted to make very briefly was I do think that it's easy to watch the show and kind of ignore the the bigger picture of what's going on. I do feel like the creator, Scott Armstrong, is very aware of what he's trying to do with Andrew Dice Clay as a character. And I don't think that he necessarily went far enough to make the show worth watching or, or you know, a top-tier comedy, which is what it kind of has to be these days to make something worth your time. But there is a lot more going on in this than I think a lot of people want to give it credit for. And I do have a little bit of admiration for Clay in going, like, taking the first step towards addressing the issues that have kind of knocked him out of the spotlight and, and made this into, you know, don't call it a comeback comeback story. Um, and I mean, if it got a season two, I'd watch it just to see if they made the leap to see if they went to that next step, because if they do, it could be a very great show. Um, but they just haven't done it yet. So anyway, that's, I just wanted to, I wanted to get that out there. I've read a couple of the other reviews after mine came out and I, I just felt like some people may have been a little dismissive of it, even though, I'm not going to, you know, tell you to go out and watch it. But you will watch it yourself. I well, I did, and if I don't I actually don't expect to get a season 2. I feel like buzz is really low. But if it did, I I'd, I'd still I'd check back in to see if they made any progress. But right. uh, I mean, it can't cost that much money. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but Liz, what uh, 
what did you watch? What did you watch last week? That was actually, you know, worth recommending to people. Well, I mean, girl, I've already talked a little bit about girlfriend experience, and I definitely think it's an interesting one to check out. But really, I think the best thing I watched this week was Night Manager, uh, which is the. Uh, it was or- originally aired in Britain. It's coming to America now, as courtesy of AMC. Stars Tom Hiddleston, Hugh Laurie. It's a John Le Carre adaptation. You probably already know all about it if you're listening. If if you are a big Le Carre fan, you might have already watched it because uh, the because it, because it. it it aired in the Britain first, which means that here in America, it was not hard. If you wanted to acquire the entire series, it would not, in theory, be hard for you to do so. Anyways, point is, is that it, I'm, I think it, this is, it, it comes with a qualifier, but the qualifier is, this isn't normally my jam. Like, I don't normally get interested in stories like this. I've, I've even basically stopped watching Bond films. I just, it's not my, it's not my cup of tea to use a Britishism, but I really found myself intrigued by everything they were doing. I love, love, love the choice to put Olivia Coleman uh, in as a character who was originally male in the book, but now is a, a pregnant woman with a husband at home uh, who is still, still a very dedicated spy. Uh, the whole thing is really, really well made, really beautiful. The locations are incredible, and uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely not one. It's definitely something that will attract some attention when it launches in a couple weeks. And uh, at the very least, you get to see Hugh Laurie play a baddie, and that's always fun. Yeah, two things I'll quickly say about the Night Manager is one, it is my jam. Like I can't wait to watch that thing. <laughs> I, yeah. I love spy shows in just about any regard um and two lori is a tremendous actor like i know that house was not a tremendous tv show but his performance was always way up there and then you know kind of seeing what he's done since that launched him into you know a new level of stardom um nothing but admiration for that guy and he seems like a a genuinely nice guy as well from what you've told me and from what i've heard elsewhere so yeah, I'm I'm very excited for that show. Yeah, we got to do a quick. Uh, we got to do some interviews this week uh, for Night Manager, and I did sit opposite from Hugh Laurie, and he looked deeply into my eyes, and uh, it was it was it was a nice it was a nice couple of minutes there of my life. Yeah. That uh, line that, he, that line that he had on Veep last year, where he's describing Gary, the way I mean, not only the way he delivered it. I mean, the line itself is great, but the way he delivered it is tremendous. Go watch yeah. episode nine again, everybody. Yes. Yeah. Hugh Laurie. I mean, Hugh Laurie is basically, he is brilliant on a level that the more you learn about him and the more you see of his work and the more you read about him, like he's, he's, there's, he is not just the doctor from house. He is an incredible talent. Yeah. He's in this really shitty movie called Street Kings, which I love. And he's great in it. It's a Keanu Reeves movie that's based on, um, oh crap, who's the author now? Oh God, why are, we, why are we talking about, we're talking about Hugh Laurie and you're bringing up Street Kings. Because it's a terrible movie. It's directed by David Ayer, who's who's like, I, let's not get into it. But it's a terrible movie, but Hugh Laurie is so good in it still. Like even in that, even in something where like Forrest Whitaker's in it and he bombs, like he doesn't know how to find a level for this character or the, or the scene. Hugh Laurie, right on point. Oh my God. Gentle listener, actually watch something good that Hugh Laurie is in and go back to a bit Fry and Laurie, which is a sketch comedy show he did with, uh, with Stephen Fry uh, back in the UK. That's actually good. That's actually something worth talking about. No, no, no. Watch the first 10 minutes of Street Kings. <laughs> no! Where, 
Keanu wakes up out of bed, throws up in the toilet, brushes his teeth, goes and buys some guns from some uh, Asian Americans that he throws some very rude racial epithets at, and then uh, proceeds to kill everyone in a house and save some young women. It's great. First 10 minutes. Check it out. I hate you so much. I know. <laughs> well, what's, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? <laughs> uh, well, it's not Street Kings 2, because that already happened, and it didn't have Keanu, so it wasn't any good. Um, but, As was uh, the Street Kings 1. <laughs> yeah, Street Kings 1, top tier. Uh, that's that's what you make your time for. Again, um, but no, uh, the best thing I'm looking forward to next week, I hope you guys can take me seriously still, uh, and Liz, you'll back me up on this, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, season two, starts Friday, April 15th. Yep, I cannot wait for the back half of that season, uh, wow. especially because... As, as I wrote in my review of the first half of the season, because we did, we, every once in a while we do break our rule about not reviewing anything until we've seen the full first season. Uh, with this one we did, and the same, I had the same issue with season two that I had with season one, which is that uh, the first half of season one and the first half of season two are a little unstructured. But if you recall from season one, like things picked up really fast, and I'm pretty sure that season two is building to a place as well that should be fascinating. Yeah, it's a show that's never never short on on laughs, but the way you just described it, the first season um, is right in line with my opinion as well. So, and I, I've only seen I think the first two because um, I didn't have to review it. Those all on Liz, which was nice, but uh, I can't wait to binge it. So, anyway, that's my pick, Liz. What are you looking forward to next week? Uh, I am looking forward to Orphan Black. Uh, season four is premiering next week. Uh, this uh, on the fourteenth, I believe. And uh, the thing about Orphan Black is that's a show that's always really interesting to watch, but never, but like season three especially kind of wibbled and wobbled. Uh, but I've talked with uh, our, the woman who's going to be doing our, free, our reviews of it, and she's saying that like season four is a real return to form. And I watched the first few minutes, uh, which were made available uh, on YouTube this week, and they're definitely weird as hell. And uh, if that show can go back to kind of just being this crazy pants caper with all with all these weird random elements to it, and of course anchored by the incredible Tatiana Maslany, uh, I mean, I'm going to be a really happy person. So I can't. I'm really hoping to dig into those screeners this weekend and uh, get get caught up or get ahead so that I can then fall behind. Yeah, I hope Maslany can keep her Emmy streak or start, I guess, an Emmy streak. She got nominated last year, which was a huge get for the show and something that people have been clamoring for for a while. Uh, I hope that, you know, assuming, which I, it's hard to me imagine that it wouldn't be, that she her performance holds up in, in this season. She definitely deserves it. I'd love to see her, you know, keep that streak alive for the show. At the very least, Tatiana Maslany getting nominated for an Emmy last year gave us the gift of that incredibly random Emmy sketch where she and Tony Hale fought over a can of beans. And I will never pass up an opportunity to bring that sketch up because I loved it so much. It was so silly and so weird. And I, I just I just want to watch it again now. I'll just look, I'll, I'll, I'm going to look it up on YouTube as soon as we're done talking. Yeah, um, I know you. And uh, when we're done, when you're done listening to us, you can find us on IndieWire.com with reviews, interviews, features, uh, all the stuff you like about uh, your favorite thing, which is television. And if you want to hear a little bit on the film side of things, but maybe you don't have time to go to the site, which, I mean, it's ridiculous, guys. It's, it's everywhere. You just pull your phone out. But uh, still, listen to Screen Talk. Ann Thompson, Eric Cohn, 
Um, they're they're doing some great things right now. There's a lot of exciting uh, movie talk. You know, we're in the middle of spring. We're getting ready for summer. Uh, can is is or con is ever approaching. I always mispronounce that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going on. So make sure you check that out. Yeah, and you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Yep. Uh, we will be back next week. And you guys, in the meantime, keep watching television. <laughs>